All right, dude, we are good to go. So, Dr. Nick Kyle, what's up, fellow Block One? We were just ranting. I almost forgot to press record, and that would have been terrible. Uh, I feel bad because I, I, I had made the hard stop there on us uh, talking about communication, which we're going to circle back around to. But welcome. Thanks for joining me, dude. Um, you come highly recommended. Obviously, I've talked to you a couple times here and there, but um, never on the podcast. So, welcome, and thank you. Um, yeah, thanks, man. Of course. We're just gonna kick it off right here. I want you to introduce yourself, tell us where you are, what you're doing, how you got there, whatever you want it to be, take it away. Cool, so uh, Dr. Nicholas Kyle. Uh, I am a doctor of physical therapy. I have uh, my graduate degree in physical therapy. Following PT school, I went through and did um, my orth orthopedic clinical specialist um, examination and, and there's a whole series of stuff that goes along with that. Um, as well as some other things, including my fellow training. So I'm a fellow of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapist. Um, within that, I got to be a part of a very small group, um, you know, uh, kind of narrowing that down. That's where I met Dr. Zanis and, uh, you know, our, our relationship bloomed from there. Uh, as we've already kind of uh, touched on a little bit, you know, he's a good friend of mine and, and I like to give him a hard time. Um, from there, one of the things that I realized while I was going through my fellow training was that, uh, you know, I, I kind of explored a lot of different areas. My personal background as an athlete, if you will, like I'm, I'm really not an athlete and I, I would never claim that, but my athleticism was kind of narrowed down to being a marathon runner, distance runner. That was really my interest. Uh, and that was what I did all the way through PT school. And like, that was how I stayed in shape and all that deal. And, and, um, I developed some issues on my own. You know, I had some back pain that was pre-existing that, but it definitely was maintained throughout. Had some movement limitations and some problems that I couldn't ever seem to quite clean up. And so I started kind of hunting around, like, where do we go? How does this work? And, and, and how can I help more individuals in this process? And through that, like, you know, kind of looked at some of the yoga and Pilates and some of these other things. And, and I just never, never quite clicked right for me. And the thing that I realized was that, across the board, like everything that I was doing, everything I was working with, these individuals were not typically strong. And so when I found a lot more into the CrossFit realm and strength realm, it, it just started to click and I started putting some of this stuff together. And that's where I wanted to go into the deep dive because I knew that I didn't know. And that's how I got um, kind of entangled into the Power Athlete Network and, and went through the process to become a block one and have just really gone head first since then. Um, and to the point where uh, distance running is now a dirty word and I would, anything that's over a 400, just forget it. That's not gonna happen anymore. Um, yeah, man, so like the, the process to me was how do I rectify what I know and what I don't know? And one of the things I didn't know was strength. And now that I've started to develop some awareness and, and both um, uh, from the, the standpoint of the book education, right? Like the actual didactic information as well as the application. So going out and doing this stuff. Um, now I've just kind of integrated that back into my practice and, and 
looking at the ways that it actually creates this much more meaningful impact to the individual. Um, and that's, that's really, man, that's the, uh, that's the thing I get excited about. That's what wakes me up in the morning. And, you know, the last thing I think about at night, the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning and, um, man, it, that's what I love. And, and it's truly where, um, I hope to continue to grow and develop over the next several years. That's awesome. And it's, uh, I feel like physical therapy more than most like graduate professions or graduate schools that lead to your profession uh, does tend to seem like, why'd you do it? And you're like, I just, I couldn't figure out my own shit and I wanted to figure out my stuff. And then I just, I, you know, I liked coaching or I like the athletic side of thing or, you know, whatever it is, you know, some people go on to work with TBI and spinal and there's always like a really personal connection to, I wanted to write my own story again. You know, I wanted to correct it and improve it and then give it out which I think is, is really cool. I think that's probably part of the love of, of what you do um, is that you, you probably experiment on yourself as much as you do with, you know, your patients, um, which is great, but it's funny also because I feel like the power athlete um, community really does something strange to you in a really positive way where it just opens you up and going, I don't know, I'm going to challenge everything I've ever thought about, you know? And I, I think that's why I connected with them back in, what was it 09 or 2010 you know when I stopped playing hockey I mean I was a hockey player uh and my coach would tell you we played at hockey um never super competitive but competitive enough that we had to, we had to train real hard and after that like I got into the CrossFit world and as much as I thought CrossFit I think CrossFit's a positive thing um power athlete was just always like this is this I feel connected to this thing or you know at the time uh, CrossFit football and it was really just that it was so simple. It was heavy, hard, and fast. It was, um, you don't need to be here for seven hours in the day. We're not doing the stuff that kills you every single day. And my body, like a week, my body would start to change. I'm like, well, this is great. So, and then you switch over to the mindset of just, hey, here's what we do, but we're not afraid to be challenged with it. And if we find something that we feel is, you know, more advanced or it makes more sense to us, I love that. Like that to me is the, the evolution of human, right? You know, it's just... I'm going to give this thing a shot. Let's learn and see what happens. And, and you know, the way Nick does this thing and the way Brian does that are maybe total, two totally different things, but we're getting to the same answer. So to me, it's just an opportunity to keep learning. So that, that's pretty cool, man. Um, you're down in West Virginia. What do you see the most of at this point? Uh, you mean like injury wise? Yeah. Or like yeah. I mean like what, what's, what's the driving factor for someone coming to see you right now? Oh, you know, man, like uh, I'm in a unique situation. So, um, you know, in the traditional physical therapy route, like whenever you were, when I was in a corporate kind of clinical outpatient setting, mm -hmm. um, I saw a lot of like post-surgical stuff and things of that nature. Um, I opened my own facility a couple years ago. And since that point in time, like I've kind of created my own, um, my own niche or my own narrow scope of practice. And so I get, you know, a fair amount of variety in injury. I deal with a lot of low back cases. One of my specializations is in TMJ management. So being in a hockey background, I'm sure you're familiar with some of that. But, um, you know, man, uh, the, I, I would say that, you know, more so than injury, I deal with helping somebody to identify areas of um, – of most dysfunction. I hate to kind of use that terminology because it seems kind of misleading, but um, part of my role is helping somebody experience the pinnacle of what their capacity is. 
And so switching off of this mindset of, of going from injury rehabilitation, um, yes, that's a piece of what I do, but really my goal is not to bring you from injury to where your prior function was. My goal is to help you realize what your potential is. And so, man, so much of the rhetoric around the classic outpatient is, well, we're going to get you back from this injury. But the problem is that it never actually carries over. It doesn't mean much that, I mean, we can all deal with, you know, uh, acute care scenarios of like, you, you got a boo-boo so we can help you get the, the irritation out of this thing. But the second you go back to where your life was, you were going to realize like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of just treading water. And we saw this huge recurrence rate of like, you come in, you do four weeks with me, and then you're out for a week or two or three. And all of a sudden you're back in like, oh, I heard it again. Like, no, you didn't hurt it again. You never fixed it to begin with. And that was yeah. my fault. So I've really switched the gears. And like, I don't know if I'm answering this in kind of a really meandering way, but like, my passion is not necessarily to deal with your injury. My passion is to help you figure out why it happened. And if we can get through the, the why layer of what's going on underneath of the surface and let you fix that for yourself, and then we can actually experience where you can go. And then I can work on this other side, which is, man, how do we make you perform better? How do we get you to that pinnacle piece of where you wanted to be? to begin with all the way back. And that gets left out so much in this insurance-based corporate setting. Dude, that's uh, <laughs> just on the podcast right there. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, like, I don't, I obviously I don't have, I don't practice the way you do. You're, you're practicing as a physical therapist, but that it's similar thought process when you're training somebody of like, you know, come in, I'm weak on this, oh, why? It's not just enough to say like, oh, you're just favoring. Like we have to figure out through some movements and pain, you know, wherever the pain's showing up, um, we've got to figure out, trace this thing back. And even for myself, you know, before I started working with Matt, I did that. I tried to take a global look at my body, but I didn't have nearly the reference point that he was using. And then I, what I realized with talking to him was that what my global perspective was, was still very, you know, Con, you know, um, very small still. I was still looking at, I was looking at a broad area, my shoulder. Okay. I was looking at the whole side. I was looking at, you know, a hip. So I crossed that pattern, but what I didn't do is go down to the feet or near, you know, whatever it might be. I, I still had room to get more global, uh, with what was going on. And then, you know, you put all these things in context, like, all right, 10 years, you played hockey, you had all these injuries. You, you just, you don't, you train yourself a little different than you train everybody, you know, your clients, uh, pain, just keep going. It's fine. I just want to work out. I want to be strong, sexy, whatever it is. So, uh, I can, I can truly appreciate what you're doing as far as, you know, the direction or the, the place you come from when you do that, because man, how many times have I gone through PT or surgical repair and PT? And it's like, I don't feel right on the ice. I don't feel right when I'm lifting, I, you know, all these things. And, and then even selfishly, you get to talk to you guys and, and, learn how to be a better coach too. you know, continually pour the cup out and fill it back up with some other stuff and, and then figure out all right, what did I like, what applied to me, all these things. So that's, that's pretty sweet stuff. Um, well, man, like, you know, you touched on something I think is very important there. You know, how many times have you gone through PT? How many times have you gone through surgical process and all these things and you don't feel right. And, you know, 
couple things with that. Like one is if you've had a surgery, you're never going to be exactly the same as you were before. I mean, you, you, you physiologically can't be, if you had something repaired, you, you have an injury status, you're going to have scar tissue and some of these things that are going to develop. And so you're never going to be exactly as you were, but a big problem that I see from the athletic training world, as well as physical therapy and, and the, the, the orthopedics world, let's just kind of classify it all together is you met these criteria, you know, you check the boxes, so you're good and you can go back to it. But the reality is, is if you don't know your body as it is now, and you don't feel, you don't perceive that your body is right, especially as a high level athlete, that has to have some credence and you have to be, um, you have to be given the time and the attention to be able to rectify these things instead of just meeting some arbitrary criteria that is set out that 50% of the population can do these things. And so therefore, if you can do it, you're good. This is why we have this insane re-injury rate on, on ACLs and shoulders and like, uh, man, um, people don't take the time clinically to actually work with the individual. They work with a diagnosis. And when you work with a diagnosis, you really leave this person to the side. And you can never really rectify those two things because if you're, if you're working with a diagnosis, you know, you're an ACL repair, uh, that ACL is great. It's fine. But you're leaving off that, you know, maybe they don't really control their hip. Maybe they don't know where they're at in space. Maybe their foot's collapsing and they don't really know where that thing is at in space. Um, and, and this is why all these criteria fall so far short because they're not looking at the individual. They're looking at that diagnostic. Yeah, dude, that's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try and circle back in because we were talking about communication before, but I think that'll bring us maybe into a little bit of that communication talk that we were just rapping about. Um, that stuff's really fascinating to me because it's, it's, you know, ah, maybe I should just go for it here. I got all these things right now. Maybe I should just roll with it. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just fascinating because it feels like so against the grain to be like, hey, we can hold you to a higher standard than what the book says. But people look at you like, what the hell are you talking about? No, I hit these things. I can squat and double weight. But you're like, yeah, but you, you're shitty. You're shitty when you do it. You might be strong. You might be able to overcompensate. You know, like uh, John always talks about like, oh, I don't have an ACL. Some people are just strong enough to function without it. And they're doing it safely. Okay. That's, you know, that's sweet. But like for the people that aren't that strong, First of all, why did it happen? If we do get it repaired, what are we doing to, so that like when you do come back, you don't have to worry about retaining the thing because as far as I know, one ACL tear is bad. Two on the same one, lights out, baby. Let's, let's just start over. Just go start over, press reset, you know, whatever it is. So that's, um, I'm going to try and circle that back around. Hopefully I don't screw that up, but there's so many things that you've posted in the past that, um, I've really kind of dug on. So I was like, ah, maybe I'll just reach out to him. Let's get him on podcast. So here we are. Um, <laughs> one of the things it's, it's funny because I'm, I'm kind of getting into trying to get my confidence with going against the grain of what, what you hear commonly in the gym. My glutes don't fire. Um, you know, I grew my ass 37 inches with a band. You know, like, okay, both of those, they do fire and you did not grow your ass with a band. I can like, we have these simple <laughs> protocols that say you didn't. Um, but one of the things that you posted recently is uh, the six pack abs do not equal uh, a strong trunk. And right. here's something, you know, I, I, I believe I'm trying to be as vulnerable as possible. Um, apparently I do it up to a point. That's my wife. <laughs> um, but uh, 
when we, I have a struggle with, I don't look the part, you know, of strength coach or nutrition coach, whatever it is, I'm not ripped up, you know, but then if you came to me, you're like, yeah, I got a little belly. I'm like, yeah, but it's not really all that realistic for most of us to live with 6% body fat. And like, that's, that's the standard we get to. And then we get out of, you know, it's not always great, but what it's common, it looks good. It looks really good. And people, uh, if they're lifting any kind of weight, whatever it might be, people associate looking good, six pack abs, strength and health, you know, or optimal movement. Uh, and, and you post that six pack abs is not equal strong trunk. Let's talk about that, man. Yeah. So, you know, man, that's a, that's a heavy one. Um, and I, you know, that, that post in particular, you're talking about, you know, I, I think I used a, a picture of Chris Farley. Um, you did because Chris Farley is my favorite. <laughs> dude, like oh, hands down. Like he's, I, I literally just had this conversation, you know, 45 minutes ago, you know, one of the greatest of all time. Um, you know, man, there's a huge balance. And actually, I think I, I think you had posted something that I commented on is like, what's, what are your nutrition goals or what are your problems or something of that nature? And, and one of the hardest things is balancing aesthetics and performance, right? Like you, you make a choice and you have to be very cognitive of um, where you're at in a training cycle and your training life as to what do you need to do to fuel that system and how do you do that? Um, but the, I think more to, to your point here is when we consider function as being our pinnacle, right? Um, if you don't look the part, it doesn't mean that you don't necessarily have this, this optimal function. I mean, look at, um, uh, Eddie Hall, right? Like dude is a monster and he's <laughs> deadlifting 500 kilos, but aesthetically he's not necessarily the most Jack dude. I mean, he doesn't look like the rock out here or whatever. Right. Um, but he is incredibly strong and has a pretty amazing uh, capacity that he's developed. Um, the thing that is universally true here is that you can have an amazing aesthetic and you can move like a dumpster fire. And, and, and you can, you know, one does not necessarily mean the other in any capacity or any form, except that, you know, we should probably strive for some of these aesthetics goals because we need to be healthy individuals. And there's a line there that is healthy and that isn't healthy. And um, really, man, the composition has to come down to what is your actual goal. And I think that we make decisions and choices built around what is our true innate goal? Because, uh, you know, I can say, man, I want six pack abs and I want to be jacked and I want to have, you know, what a 20 inch arms or whatever is the yeah. challenge that's going on now. <laughs> but day in and day out, I'm going to make choices surrounding what my true underlying goals are. And if those two things do not align, there's no way that I'm going to attain one or the other. I, I think I've derailed a little bit, which is typical for me, but um, no, those two things just don't go together. I mean, we, we assume them. We, we put those things in the same pocket. And it's like having 20-inch arms. Like if you walk into a gym and you see the guy curling in the squat rack that's got a giant bicep vein, I, I'm talking about Sergson, right? Like he's over <laughs> here with his, his, <laughs> his, his big bicep veins and he's a jack-looking dude. Um, we assume that guy knows the most. And, yeah. you know, it, it's not necessarily – accurate right like you might be the old dude sitting in the corner and be mickey who's training uh 
um, you know, Rocky. Rocky. Like, yeah. you know, like, dude knows his stuff, right? But he doesn't look like a boxer. Um, yeah. There's a big assumption there. there. There's a lot of emphasis that gets put on that. And it's definitely a very difficult thing. And I deal with this myself. You know, my background was being a distance runner. So inherently, like, at my pinnacle of function in my distance running, you know, marathon training, I was down to about 155 pounds. How tall are you? Um, I'm about five nine, five ten. So I was a pretty, I was a pretty thin dude at that point. Yeah, and, and like you know, aesthetically, I think that that was probably um, the most lean I've ever been. Um, but definitely, I was not healthy. I, I was not healthy whatsoever, and I had really bad back pain. I had some some prior issues from from you know prior life stuff. You know, I was a welder before I was um, before I went back to PT school. And one of the things that happened, I injured my back pretty significantly while I was working as a welder. And I dealt with that for about eight years. Um, and you know, off and on really nasty pain and stuff like that. And my solution was I'm going to run, I'm going to do this thing. And this is how I'm going to improve my overall health. It didn't improve my health. I mean, I was a lean guy. I probably had the closest to a six pack that I've ever had because I was just scrawny, right? Like Mm -hmm. I didn't have a whole lot of fat mass. So therefore I had this aesthetic, but I had no legitimate strength. I had no trunk control. Um, and so like, you know, my mindset, my goals have definitely shifted from that point in time. And I think that it's important for the masses as a whole to recognize the disparate quality between those two things. Sure. Well, it's, it's funny. I mean, like you don't, I mean, the current state of the country, uh, it's, it's like, it feels like, (laughs) yeah. Uh, it feels uh, very much so like, you can look no further than the fitness community. Uh, we'll just call it that and say like, it's no, it's no shock that we just, we see something and we go, that's it. That's what the answer is. It's this, what, you know, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, uh, China, this, that, you know, and you're like, ah, we're only hearing parts of this thing because that's, what's getting our attention. And the fitness community is, is a great uh, standard to hold uh, vegan and distance runner because they're skinny uh, represents health. Uh, I don't know, man. Let's fast forward 20 years and see where they're at. It doesn't look exactly. the same. It just doesn't look the same. Now, if that's something that mentally helps you get through, like how do we, how do we create this optimal situation where, you know, maybe you don't, maybe your source of meat is a little bit different or you don't eat it as much, but you still take it in. Or maybe we cut down your, your running time, your, your distances, but we train you in speed or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and that can help, you know, Oh God, I feel like it was years ago. I couldn't even, I don't even, I didn't even actually read the study. I just read that. I think like Brian McKenzie came out and like, you know, after 30 miles a week, you start looking at what's the heart actually doing at that high of elevated heart rate for so long. If you're doing that weekend year after year, you're like, I don't know as much. Well, I guess technically now we're talking about the heart being a nerve more than a muscle. Um, But like, you know, but like still you look at that and you're like, there's some, there's some questions that should be asked about this stuff. You know, what, what you see is not always what you get or what the answer is. It's not your answer. It may be mine. Who knows? But it is really fascinating when, um, you know, I struggle with it. And that means I'm guilty just as much of going, oh, I don't know. Nick's got a six pack. He definitely knows what the hell he's talking about. But then I watch him move and I'm like, this guy's a piece of shit when he moves, man. We got yep. issues, you know, yep. or he's eating McDonald's every day. And you're like, this is an outlier. This is a true outlier. And um, it doesn't mean, you know, the other side is the body positive community, which, um, you know, I talked with uh, Christopher Bean about that. And just like, dude, big is not healthy. 
I'm not okay. being mad. I'm not trying to be mean when I say you're fat. You know, like I want you to love you and your body out the same way I want to be there. But we also know, like you kind of alluded to, when we hit this little line here and we pass it, we know that there's health issues that come in. And now you're drain on yourself, the people around you, all these things. And like that's part, you know, that I don't want to go there, but that's kind of kind of some of the argument about what's going on in the country or the world right now. Like, what is health? You know, looking a particular way, eating vegan doesn't necessarily equal true health. And people are still struggling with this thing. They're dying or getting sick, whatever it might be. We've got a health issue in this country. There's no doubt we're, we're, we're fat. We're diabetic. We have heart disease. We don't move less more than we sit. That's an issue. These are basic things that like, I'm guilty of being on that side of like, I eat too much ice cream. I eat too much pizza. And I got that little chub. But like, I also am conscious of like, I need to make a couple of changes. I don't, I'm not so far gone one way, but it is, is the fitness community is a really great example of like, you see it. That's the answer. It's just got to be that. I don't know. I see the CrossFitter banging his head against the wall 30 times a day. It's got to be answered. He's got a ripped up back. He's got a nice six pack. He's strong. That's it. You're like, ah, yep. context really matters in everything. Well, how old is that dude? How, like, what is his <laughs> background? What, like, there's so much to that. They, like, it's so hard to, exactly what you said, man. This is an individualized process, just like everything else. So everything we've talked about today, like how I run my practice, everything is built around an N of one. Um, yes, there's studies, there's research, there's all this stuff. But when you start to quantify these things, you have to look at what is the impact to this person. Maybe we say a vegan diet is healthy. I don't agree with that. I'm not perpetuating that in any way. But for this individual, they have an intolerance to eating red meats and this stuff. Maybe that person is going to do exceptionally well off of a vegan diet. Or all you eat is McDonald's every day of the week. Yeah, going vegan, you're going to be healthier. You have to be because you're eating actual food, right? My point is, is that because it works for one person does not mean that it's going to work for the next. And you have to start reasoning these things in a much more um, thorough and full way. You know, one of the other big issues that I have that, that we as a community, as a culture have in the United States is that we have made topics like nutrition, exercise, these things, we've made them so overly complex that we teach it to kids in a health class that there's things that I don't, I don't understand what they're talking about when they talk about like, you know, the, how they present the food pyramid. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. And quite frankly, like I had a really hard time understanding nutrition all the way through PT school. We discuss this stuff. We highlight these things, but like it takes the deep dive to really be, go, be able to go through and start picking some of this stuff apart to understand like, oh, okay, for myself, this is how I can test this. This is how I can look at, like, I'm a big fan of, of uh, Rob Wolf's Wired to Eat. Not yeah, that it's right Rob for Wolf's everybody. Great, dude. Yeah. He simplifies this stuff so that it's even attainable to me. And like, when I look at that, I'm like, man, okay, 30 day reset. Here's what you do. Here's how you do these things. Like that cleans it up. I understand now how I can eat. I remember coming out of high school I had no concept of this stuff. And maybe that's on me personally, but I don't think so. I think that that's a universal truth. And our society is highlighting that right now because, well, yeah, I eat McDonald's, but I got the salad. Like, okay, well, how much sugar is in that salad, right? Like there, there's so much misinformation, misunderstanding, and we label everything, right? So here's how many calories is in this one food item. Okay, well, how many calories do you need today? Like I have yeah. a hard time knowing that. 
let alone this, somebody it, dude, that's never done it. <laughs> it's so funny when you start working with people. Like, um, I'm thinking of one person in mind that she always kind of uh, um, supports me, tries to build me up in my confidence and all that stuff. She's like, Brian, you, you don't ever just give, here's the answer. It's always a, hey, Brian, when I'm squatting, this is happening. It's a, I don't have 20 minutes to get you through this. So we're gonna have to set up a time to actually talk about this because it's not a simple answer. This is about you. This is not what, here, here's the general bullet point, what we're looking for. Once we hit that, now we gotta go, what's really going on with your movement here? Because you know what, your femur's longer than that one and you maybe, you maybe are back on your heels a little too, what I, I don't know, maybe the first rep and the second rep were totally different. Well, we gotta figure out why. And to me, like, I think that's why Rob is such an easy connection for people like us in the power athlete community or people in general. He doesn't lead you to the answer. He leads you to asking why. Yep. And then you yep. get to go, well, this, this felt really good for me. This didn't feel so good for me. Rob tells us about that, him and his wife. They each had a piece of wheat bread or whatever it was. Two hours later, his blood sugar is through the roof and hers is just non-existent. All right, no further. You don't have to look any further than that to go. We're different. We're all the yep. same, but we're all different, right? So, like, we have these common things. But it's funny when you work. Like, I work with a couple of nutrition clients, and you know, sometimes I get caught going down the rabbit hole when I'm like, the answer is so simple. Just tell them the simple answer because they're going to be shocked. But we've got this thing. We're like, we should make this way more complicated than we need to. And like, no, no, no. How much protein did you have today? Uh, eighty-five grams. What do you weigh? Two hundred pounds. Hey, well, we'll probably want to bump that up a little bit. Maybe that'll satiate us from eating so many, you know, carbs or whatever. But we talked about when you, when I posted that thing about nutrition, you and I had, I think, two two exchanges, and I don't remember exactly what you said, and but you asked a question, I believe, and it was, or maybe you actually said it. It was about eating to performance, and you said, "Yeah, I tend to agree." Well, what's your goal? All right, I want to look leaner. Well, listen, we got to get you in a calorie deficit. You're not going to train eating McDonald's 37 times a week. You know, I don't know what to tell you. I struggle with this too. I've tried it. I still try it. You know, I'm like today, I'm like running with the kids, the football team. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about pizza tonight. Oh, is it a way to mitigate some damage? Sure. Is it good on moving? Sure. But also if I go eat the whole pizza, I got an issue. I've got, I've got more questions about why. What happened there mentally now? Not even about like physically health. Um, so to me, it really is like nutrition is a very simple thing, um, but an application, the execution of it can be really difficult because, yeah, we tend to overcomplicate everything, you know, and just in our own lives. Think about it. Uh, you, you're married, uh, you know, like something goes wrong. You're like, ah, man, I wonder if that was this, 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 this. And you're like, oh, no, they just had something going on at work. And it had nothing to do with you. But here I am thinking, ah, it's all these things. I did this. I did that. And you're like, that wasn't even that wasn't even there. You just wasted time. So it, it's, there's so much going on there. Um, well, dude, and that comes back to, you know, again, like we've, we've, we've hit on some communication stuff, but I think communication is the underlying factor on all of this, right? Like how much do you want to know about this situation? And then it's, it's really hard to sometimes quantify like what I want to know is going to be different than what most clients are going to want to know. Like I like the little minutia. Like I like to tear into all these little details. Why is it if we turn your foot one degree this way that all of a sudden you're able to do something you couldn't do before? I'm with most you people one. don't care. Most people are just sitting here going, okay, make me squat or, or make, make this hurt less or whatever it may be. And it, it becomes this process of we have to, we have to learn to communicate to you 
where you are rather than I want to know this. So I'm going to give you every painful little detail. And quite frankly, man, when we do that, we create this level of dependency on us, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And like one of the guys I used to work with was, was, um, he was really bad about this. And it was one of those things that I started to question myself on because I caught myself going down the same rabbit hole of giving you every detail. Like this is the answer. This is why this is how you need to do this. And like really creating this complex, uh, lattice to, um, to a condition that doesn't necessarily need that level of complexity. But what I found was is that for most of us that it happens, uh, whether intentional or unintentional, because we want you to need me rather than I need you mm. and that I'm going to provide you with a structure so that you can fix yourself. I want you to need me so that I can fix you. And man, when you go into that level, like if you show somebody like, I know this, I have all the answers, I'm the guy. Um, all of a sudden, like you, you have this certain level of dependency that has been established that that can be good and bad. And it just really depends on the person. As good, to what good for business. <laughs> Well, is it though? Because like, quite frankly, man, keep uh, back. yeah, you know, like that's one of those things that like, um, it's a double edged sword. There, there are certain people who, who love that. And so they're going to come back because they want to, they want to go to the guru on the mountain. They want to go to the guy who has every answer, no matter what the scenario. But, uh, you know, whenever I set up and started running in this capacity where I work, you know, one-on-one with clients and this thing, my goal is to get you out of here as yeah. fast as I possibly can and in a good way, right? Like sure. I want to set you up with guardrails so that when you're driving down the road, you can bounce back and forth, but you're still going to stay in the lane. And, and like, if we can create that, I created a lifelong client, not somebody who's going to come to me because, well, I've got this thing going on and I need you to tell me everything. And that's great for four weeks, but then, you know, we're going to have these lags and stuff like that. Like I want to create a relationship where I can empower this individual in front of me to have this long-term success so that we don't have to constantly uh, go through this, this runaround. And I, I want them to have that, that confidence and capability. That's uh, so when I sit down with somebody new, I always try to teach the, uh, communicate to them that, listen, if we were together for 10 years, it's not because I didn't teach you how to do this. I, wa I want you to be automatic. I want you to have the autonomy to go do this. Now, if it's, you want me to write a program or, you know, every couple of weeks we just do a session just to, you know, you want, let's double check. Let's see what's going on. You know, great. But my goal is not to have you as a 10 year client because you need me. It's to have you as a 10 year client because we enjoy our relationship. We, we see each other you know, twice a month, whatever it is. In the meantime, you just pass by, Hey, what's going on with friends? That's it. Um, but to me, like, that's how I get myself to be better. Um, because I'm trying to teach you to go infect everybody else with good movement and knowledge and all these things. But also because like, then it doesn't feel like I'm doing my job properly. If I don't teach you why you're doing something or how to do it. And, but I always say, listen, if you have questions, ask them because it helps me learn. It helps me get better to teach you. Uh, and then on the off chance, cause I know everything. If I don't know it, I go to people like Nick or Matt and I go, Hey, and it's an even bigger opportunity for me to learn because now I, I get to talk to you guys, see your perspective in coaching and in science. And then I get to take it back, explain it in my terms to that individual who may look totally different from the next individual that's got a similar issue. So to me, it's like a lot of times I, I don't even acknowledge it, but I try to sit there and go, these people are teaching me as much as I'm trying to teach them because I get to go find answers and 
to the problems that we're having, whatever it might be. So um, I say it tongue in cheek that, that it's great to have them keep coming back. And it is, if the relationship's good, but it, it, I don't want it to be a dependency thing because at some point, like I'm bored, I'm bored. I'm teaching you nothing. We're, you, we might as well just go get a beer at some point here and just chill and talk. You know, you don't need to pay me X amount of dollars an hour to do this. Um, so it, that, that to me is, is uh, a pretty interesting thought process. Um, I've tried to really pay attention, but you just said something that really is going to challenge me. I, I always believe in asking questions. You know, if they ask a question, I try and answer with a question. You know, all right, th- I have this pain here. Why do you think that is? And, and especially if it was something obvious where it's like, well, you had huge valgus uh, uh, force on, on your left side. And you're like, I don't know, my left hip's really bothering me. Like, why do you think that was? Do you know what, like become aware of what just happened in your movement. You know, that's, I try to teach these young kids, like when you're throwing the ball overhead, I want you to pay attention to what's going on with your feet. Where are you pressing through the floor? Are you shorting the ball right behind you? Or are you launching it too straight up in the air? Pay attention to your awareness because it's going to help you in sports, it's going to help you in life. And to me, like ask them to become aware so that they can, number one, when something does go wrong, they can be way more intelligent when they communicate it to us. You know, if I come to you and I go, hey, Nick, I got this kid that's got this thing going on. You're like, that doesn't tell me anything. Like, well, okay, you know, I got to go back and do more homework. But it is really important that we as coaches or therapists, whatever it might be, really do ask the the questions about what they think the answer is because they know their body best, whether they know it or not, they do. I can only see what I see. Um, so that that's a really fascinating thing to me. Um, and we're touching on communication again. Uh, I'm just going to rattle off a few things here that have been on my mind and irritating for actually a couple of years. Um, how do you feel about the my glutes don't fire crowd? Well, so, man, you know, you're hitting me with a really tough one there because uh, the, this is a trendy thing. Right. Like, uh, I think that we fall down these rabbit holes and professionals will perpetuate these things because it is, it's an easy answer, right? Like, Oh, why, why am I not getting my clean? Oh, your glutes don't fire. Like, do your glutes not fire? Like I have not met a single human that can stand up and walk that don't, that their glutes won't fire. You know, man, like one of the things that is, is, um, constantly coming through the clinic for me I, I, you know, how you say things directly impacts what the perception is of a situation. And so like, if I tell you, Hey, your glute doesn't fire, then you have this mindset of, okay, I got to do glute bridges. I got to do hip thrusters. I need to do banded walks. I got it. Like you can go through the menagerie of, of glute exercises to make them fire. But guess what? End of the day, none of that is going to make you better at doing a clean. So the reality is, is that most conditions, nine times out of 10 in the clinic um, or in the weight room, um, it, it's, it's a matter of coordination and control rather than of deficit for a singular muscle group. And man, I can't even tell you the last time, Zanis and I joke about this constantly. We have our running list on Instagram that we message each other back and forth on this stuff of, uh, you know, we'll see different providers or individuals post something of like, oh, it's glute day. And like, you know, sending out a picture of how they're doing this, this specific glute work because their glutes don't fire, their glutes are weak or whatever it may be. Um, none of it 
actually shows this really impressive carryover back to what are you trying to do with this thing? So man, like my conversation with people is, man, you are strong. And, and like, I don't really care what the scenario is unless there is a dramatic, obvious issue, you know, nerve impingements can actually lead to legitimate weakness. And I've, I've had sure. that come through, you know, a handful of times, but most people that's not the case, right? So um, my conversation is almost always like, man, you are strong, but we can improve your coordination and control here a little bit by doing these things. And, and then, like you know, that. the mechanism doesn't matter. It's, it's just a matter of, are you driving that conversation in that direction? Yeah, dude. That's a tough so, one. Like, I, I really get lit up on that stuff. Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> it's, and you know, it's funny. I had, I posted it last night, um, but I had to take it down because I didn't have a mask on in my video. Uh, but uh, so I'm, I'm just like starting to look at things of like, yeah, I know what you mean when you say your glutes don't fire, but like you say, mm -hmm. let's, we can do better. So I had this post about like, my glutes don't fire. Yes, they do. You know, like, did, did you just bend over and pick up that M&M &M and stood up? Yeah. Did you just hip thrust like with a wing fade? Like, did you just have sex? You probably, your glutes are firing. Uh, did you just deadlift 500 pounds? Your glutes are firing. And I talked, I asked Dan, I laid him up on Instagram with that. I was like, how do you feel about this? You know, I like just started pushing him off the edge a little bit. And he was like, dude, they can all suck flaccid, right? But he's like, in all seriousness though, and similar to your answer, listen, if you're standing, your glutes are firing. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you see express like a lot of people work in a shortened or mid-range of what firing may mean. Okay, but that I think goes right into you saying coordination and control. Do we get full extension of this stuff? But that doesn't mean that your glutes aren't firing. It means that you don't have the coordination control, as you're saying, which I'm going to steal. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like, that's a different conversation. Yes, there is the outlier of like there's some kind of actual injury in there, nerve uh, nerve impingement or some some kind of injury that's not allowing muscle to fire. Sure, we're not talking about that because I just watched you power clean and I just watched you deadlift and squat and you're still what you walked up to me to ask. So I'm gonna go ahead and, and just call what it is. Your glutes are firing. What we got to figure out is. Why are you feeling weak in a particular area? What's really going on? And there we go. We have more context. We've got to ask more questions. But uh, to me, it's just stuff that I've heard over the last decade where I, like, people say something like, oh, it's amazing that you're erect right now. You know, like you're upright. The, the, Dude, the, the, uh, the homo sapien in itself, like the glute firing made us stand upright in a way. <laughs> like, you know, man, here's, you know? here's a really interesting thing to me. Like when we um, – during PT school, like this is one of these universal things that we actually, I think is pretty much taught across the board and uh, maybe it's starting to phase out. I, I'm not sure. But I, one of the things that we learn is Trendelenburg stance. Have you ever heard that yeah. term mm -hmm. before? Yeah, okay, we cool. call it Trend Trendelenburg sign, but yeah, same thing. Yeah. yeah, right. So exactly. So what is the Trendelenburg sign? It's you, the opposite glute right? supporting it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what it's supposed to be. Guess what, man? Three years ago, they did a lesioning study to actually lesion the nerve that goes to the glute med. And that's what we're actually isolating down or supposedly isolating down when we start looking at these Trendelenburg stands. Here's the most fascinating thing about it, man. Um, they, they, they selectively lesion this nerve to the glute med and retested this Trendelenburg stance. So test it, lesion the nerve, retest it. Nothing changed. Why is that? Because the glute med itself is not actually what is doing the job to stabilize that pelvis. It's the opposite side lat. So it is really fascinating, QL and opposite side lat. So here's the really fascinating thing. For 
20, 30 years, we're looking at this thing saying like, oh, you're, you got a, a weak glute med. Like, man, I don't know of anybody that I have ever tested that I'm like, wow, glute med's strong on this one. This is amazing. Like put it into this isolated dependent position that it never moves in, right? Like you never actually go into this externally rotated abducted hip position with extension um, in any appreciable way. And then I'm going to apply my body weight down on top of it. And then I'm going to tell you that your, um, that your, your glute itself is relatively weak. Like, yeah, of course, if I put you in this optimal position, of course it's going to be, and we can train that and we can show you like, Oh, you've improved because we've trained it in this position, but it doesn't carry over into reality. And so one of the things that we do clinically, and one of the things that, that I get really passionate about is not trying to overwhelm somebody with this volume of exercise, right? Like classically in the PT clinic, I, I can remember times whenever I had a list of exercises for somebody that would take them an hour and a half to get through because it's like all this stuff. We got weak glutes and we've got this and we've got this and we can do these 15 things to try to strengthen it. Now I will spend an hour, hour and a half, two hours with somebody and I might work two movements because yeah. I need you to do those two movements really, really well. And they're actually going to be meaningful to this individual so that they get this carryover. Nine times out of 10, or the majority of the time, whenever you have somebody that shows some form of weakness like that, it's not real weakness. It's this inability to actually activate that musculature in an appreciable way because your brain doesn't even know where your body is. If, you, if your nervous system does not allow you to go outside the bounds of what is your standard movement set, you're going to always show some amount of weakness into those positions because you don't have a capacity to go there. So like you, our job should be to build capacity for individuals, not to isolate down so that you can get really good at doing like rose wall slides where you're sliding your foot up and down the wall or banded glute walks because like, man, when are you going to use this and how does this actually carry over to your nervous system? It, it just doesn't. Yeah. As you can tell, I get excited about this stuff, man. <laughs> Dude, I love, I love it. Like, so, okay. I want to go back to that research. Now this is for me. So they lesion off, um, is it inferior gluteal nerve that goes to, to glute med? I don't remember anymore, but uh, okay. So superior. The, superior. Okay. So, yeah. so they lesion off the nerve that goes to glute med. It doesn't even matter. Uh, you're talking, so right glute med, when we see that, because uh, you're saying left QL and lat are what's really supporting that hip now and, and from uh, having the hip drop, what would you look at? First of all, I'm trying to figure out what my questions are as I'm asking this. What, what was the study? Who were the people that were, the study was done on? Was that something with like a cadaver or how was that done? Uh, you know, man, I, no, no, it wasn't cadaveric oh. because uh, it, it was, it was so a how would you display it? stance. Okay. What's that? Interesting. I was just yeah, trying, yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to think about like what the, what the procedure would be. I mean, yeah, if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what, man, I can look it up and I can send that to you. I don't remember it offhand, but um you know, I have, it's it just, it sounds like a cool, computer. No, dude, it just seems, sounds like a, like a pretty cool, like experiment that, you know, I'm always curious about like how you hear some of these like experiments come out and you're like, how the hell did they do that? Yeah. Um, like, well, you know, there's some that like now, uh, you know, we had studies that were done in 2000 that you couldn't do now because there's no way you're going to get an IRB approval to actually like do, uh, there was one that was done in England. It's a really interesting one that was looking at um, meniscus repairs or the debridement surgeries, like the cleanup surgery, right? And they took yeah. half of their people and they actually cut portals into their knee without doing a surgery. 
Like the idea of getting an IRB approval for that now, like there's just no way. Yeah, it would like, never you're happen. You're never going to do it. <laughs> yeah, it would never happen. Uh, yeah. Well, dude, let's circle back to communication here. Um, going against the grain, uh, trusting yourself. We we're kind of talking about that. Um, you know, meeting criteria is you were talking about with the PT stuff. We're like, oh, we hit these standards. Um, we just go with it, right? Um, you know, how we can be better than that, right? Like, why is that where we stop? Why can't we do more for it? Um, what do you do to work on your communication? Uh, because the way you, you told me that you struggle with this thing, but everything I'm talking to you right now, uh, you've, you've lit me up mentally about like, oh, I would do this. I need to do this a little bit better. Or um, that's a really cool way of expressing it and doing all these other things. So like, what, what is your process of improving your communication? Um, but what, what is, maybe what's your struggle? Maybe that's, maybe that's a better question. Yeah, so I guess, you know, one of the things that I'm gonna do is, um, I have, uh, number one, my wife, man. Like my wife is amazing because she, um, she never hesitates to knock me down a peg. And I appreciate that because she is vastly more intelligent than I am. Um, she was a, uh, English, uh, she, she was a middle school teacher. She taught English and, and has a great background in it. My writing ability, um, you know, like if, if I write something, I pass it to her to review it and, and basically, you know, tell me, does this make sense? Does it like, does it clean up well? Um, and one of the things that I find is that I tend to fall into the language I'm most comfortable in. And I think that's a defensive thing, right? Like we all kind of do like, where, where, where are we most comfortable? And that's how we're going to uh, preface ourselves, right? So um, one of the things that I've tried to do is expand my vocabulary, my ability to communicate through fundamental language as well as, you know, clinical language. Um, one of the things that, I, and this is definitely tangential, but- um, Go for it. One of the things that I- Rip it off. <laughs> When I, you know, I was a welder, right? So like I went through, I did my undergrad degree. I had no clue what I was doing with my life. And I got a job in a warehouse and I kind of progressed through and became a welder and metal fab guy. And when I decided to go back to school, I knew I wanted to do something medical. And when I kind of started heading in this direction, I was like, man, my vocabulary is, is kind of pathetic. Like I, I didn't have um, a really expansive vocabulary. And that was something that I felt um, pretty strongly that I needed to try to improve. So I started reading a lot and like, that was, you know, how do you develop the vocabulary? Read everything you can and, and really challenge yourself in that way. So I continue to try to push in that direction, like try to expand my envelope for, you know, can I appreciably use certain vocabulary? Do I do it intelligently? Do I just throw things out there randomly? Um, but one of the things that I find is that I tend to, I fall where I'm comfortable and I talk in a way that typically would be good with clinicians. Um, it's very hard for me to bring that back down in, you know, that, that, you know, explain this to me like I'm five, right? Like I always think about the Michael Scott, like explain to me like I'm a five year old. Right. So I, I constantly have this struggle of like, okay, how do I explain this? Like you're five, but not talk down to you. And like, that's one of my concerns is always in the background of like, I don't want to underestimate an individual in front of me. So I tend to explain it one way and then I'll explain it again in, in different, different verbiage. I also look to um, mimic the, the way you say something to me. I try to mimic that back to you. So mm -hmm. I try to gauge you. Um, it's easy to do in this kind of a process. It's very difficult to do when you're writing a post for social media um, yes. or that, that kind of deal. Like I can, 
I can pick up how do you say things? What do you say? What words, you know, like what words are you using? What verbiage do you use? And, and I, can, I can kind of start to tweak that. You don't get that kind of feedback on social media typically. Um, you know, I, I'm fortunate I'm surrounded by people who have no problem telling me um, you know, like, uh, dude, this is, this is garbage. Um, and yeah. I appreciate that. It's a good, it's a good way to be. It's, it's helpful, especially when you trust those people. Um, but it is funny. I, like we talked about this a little bit before we started, we pressed record, like just the fact that <laughs> if you put me in a room with 25 or 30 people, you know, train them, whatever it is, I'm like, ah, let's just go. You know, you get these certain voices in your head and you're like, ah, I don't know, maybe I'm a little nervous about this or that. But like, for the most part, I'm, like, I'm comfortable. One-on-one, I'm pretty comfortable. You know, everything's good. Just get them talking. We're good to go. Uh, but when I put the camera on or I got to post something for Instagram, I'm like, uh, I don't know anything. Everything I said is wrong. Um, this is going to look dumb. It's going to sound wrong. Like, and, you know, you just worry about like, Oh, you're going to get attacked by this person and that person. Cause it's this. And you're like, first of all, it's hard to say or write anything on Instagram in general. That is so specific that you get your entire thought out, right? There's no conversation. It's just, boom, here's what I'm talking about. Um, and I really struggle with that because I do rely on others to help with communication. Like I, I like the, the art of conversation. Um, some days I walk home, I get home from training and like the full day, I'm like, man, I feel more exhausted today than I did the day before. And you think about who you work with and like, ah, it is really hard to pull out a conversation of this person or that person. I've had nope. podcasts like that where I'm like, Oh boy, how do I wrap this thing up? How do I move this on and over? And like, it's, it's so wild, but, and you start looking at, well, what did I do? You know, it's, it's, you can blame everybody. You know, I, I, we always joke about this. You hear a lot of people say like, well, is it your client's fault for not understanding or is it your fault for not communicating properly? And the answer to me is both. Yes. You know, yeah. like you, you, what are they doing? You know, you're like, I don't, at this point, I don't know how to make it simpler, but that's also my problem too. I've got to figure that out. I've got to, you know, that's why it's valuable to talk to other people like yourself where you go, I've never used this cue, but I'm going to take this one out that I heard Nick use. Let's see what happens. And they nail it. And you're like, all right, here we go. But there is responsibility on that person of like, hey, I'm literally just telling you to put your foot on the ground. I need you to just put your foot on the ground. There's yep. not really like that thing right there. Just do it. I don't know how else to put this in there. Um, so it, it is really interesting to me, the art of communication. You know, Brett uh, Bartholomew has done a great job. I just listened to the Power Athletes podcast with Nick Winkleman. And that was a really fascinating thing where it is, how you say something, you may not even remember you said it that way, but the impact or the effect it has on an athlete or another coach or whatever it might be, is just, it can be detrimental or it can be life-changing life in a positive direction too. Um, I think for me, more than just being able to put it out specifically in social media is my own gears in my head going, yeah, you don't know shit, dude. You don't know anything. That's always been something that's held me back, but not good enough uh, story. And I, I've bought into it. Uh, it's something I work really hard on trying to change, but um, it also, I feel like when you're someone that doesn't just, you know, you don't tip the boat left and right, you know, like you're like, I don't know, a couple of waves, let's study this thing out and let's see what the answer is. Let's see what the most beneficial answer to this situation is. It's almost hard to live there because people don't agree with you because you don't take a hard stance, you know, like line the sand, here's what it is. You know, it's, it's a, it's a really interesting um, experience that I get when people are like, well, you do it like this. And you're like, well, you could, or you could right. do it like this. You know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here. Here's what my experience is. And here's why I would do it. But tell me more about the scenario. You know, it's like the get on your heels people. 
Oh yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. Who are we working with? You know, this is a first time squatter. Yep, get on your heels. You know, but if this is a really advanced athlete that we're trying to get ready for football season, you know, as we're seeing Caldeets, you, Xanis, uh, all these guys, you know, I'm sure many, many more are starting to tell you, tell you heels up on your toes when you squat, when you Bulgarian split squat. What are we looking for? Hips, uh, foot strength. We're looking at or putting your ankle through a, an active range of motion. We're looking at all these effects upstream. And so it's like the answer is sometimes, maybe, nope. it depends. And so to me, like that's something that I really struggle with. Just like what I'm saying in a post is seems like really hard line in the sand. And that's not what I mean. So when I get aggressive with, uh, you know, my glutes don't fire, I also am recognizing that, yeah, there is a point that you have, a, you, you do have a point somewhere, but it's way deeper than your glutes not firing. Your glutes are probably firing. Um, so that, you know, that part of it is, <laughs> is a, a really difficult situation for me. And I think part of it is you, you, too much of a thinker. You think about the consequences of saying one thing and having it be heard a different way. So to me, you're like, you're almost really good with communication. And so you hinder yourself because you're like, I got to be careful about everything. And that to me is, um, can be really frustrating, can be really exhausting. Uh, but man, I don't know, the stuff that I've seen you post, the stuff that we've had a, a chance to talk about, you, I need you to do more of it because it's, it's a learning opportunity for people like myself. And I'm sure I'm learning that there are many, many more folks out there that are, are really benefiting from your thought process and perspective, you know, like that's, um, it's, you know, man, one of the things that I've, I've kind of come to terms with, like definitely as we've kind of discussed this, that's certainly, um, that's definitely been one of those things that's in my mind is how, you know, they, I think it's called imposter syndrome, right? Like, if you yeah, that yeah. Before, so, like, yeah, um, both pieces. we call it phenomenon now. Uh, I was just listening to Brett <laughs> Bartholomew. It's not a syndrome. <laughs> it's a phenomenon. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, but like, you know, one of the things that I've kind of come to terms with for myself and like I'm not the only person that posts on you know our Instagram because you know I have a it's a company and, and like sure. I don't have much of a personal presence but like our group of people are like-minded we have a common mission statement and how we go after things but uh, the the change that I've chosen to make or at least at this point in time is I'm going to post things that are important to me and I'm going to post things that I consider to be um, impactful or significant. And I don't care if it's like, I, I, you know, one of the things you don't see on my Instagram often is a bunch of specific jiggy movements. Like I don't try to do like, well, here's this, you know, no foot split squat or whatever. Like, you know, there's, there's a plenty of that stuff out there. I try to post things that they're meaningful uh, for whatever reason that they, they resonate with me or there's something that I wanted to say. And, and so I'm trying to lead into that direction because, you know, it's a platform for us to be able to communicate. And I have a passion for my profession. I have a passion for my state and, and like my community and like the block one guys, it's part of my community. PT is part of my community. And I want to uphold that and I want to push that to the next level, whatever that may mean. So I, I'm trying to make a very cognizant effort of and just write something. And if this is what, you know, is meaningful to me today, this is what I'm going to post. And, you know, whether Dude. that's coach or PT or whatever it may be. Well, that's terrific, man. I know uh, that's really awesome. I, I think it's probably <laughs> a good place to start wrapping it up, dude, because that, that's uh, cool. uh, it's a really like um, it's a great perspective to have with it. 
you know, here's, here's what's on my mind. Here's, you can take it however you need to. And uh, if you want to chat about it, we chat about it. That's it. So yeah, I, exactly. I, can, I think that's, I think it's a really cool uh, perspective to have, but um, dude, this has been awesome. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, best place is going to be Instagram at move, right. PT, uh, or off of my website, move, right. PT.com. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so my last question to you, I ask this to everybody um, in some capacity. Uh, you're near the end and you look back, what will make you consider that you had a life well done? Uh, you know, for me personally, um, kind of getting away maybe from the profession, you know, my identity is very much, you know, I'm dad and husband. Those are, those are my roles. And then I work as a PT and as a coach and, and that deal. Um, I would like to be able to look back, you know, do you ever camp? You ever done any camping? A very, very little, very little. One of the rules of camping is that you leave the site better than when you found it. So I think that part of my goal in my life is that when I leave here, um, it's a little better than where I found it. And that's, that's my goal. Hopefully we can contribute and, and I want my girls to be, you know, um, the fruition, you know, the next step to be able to take this thing further forward and that they're better people than I am. Um, you know, that's a low bar, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they are, they are, um, able to take this thing further than I am. And I, I hope that the world is a little bit better place. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me, dude. We, uh, We'll have to do some collaborations here. We're, we're yep. not so far away. We're only five hours away. So we'll have to meet somewhere, yeah. have a beer and chit chat about some stuff. But uh, thanks for spending the afternoon with me. Yeah, that's right, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I appreciate absolutely, you spending the afternoon you. with me, dude. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. This is cool.